wrapping up another deer season, we're going to start doing more of our Whitetail Instinct podcast, something we do throughout the offseason to go more in-depth on what happened during the year, um, our scouting process, and just questions that you guys have. So to start, we're going to do a kind of a wrap-up or an overview of our year this past fall. Kind of go through uh, using the tree saddles, uh, main takeaways that both me and Birdie had, and just going through, touching on some of the highlights and lowlights maybe of the season. So we'll start going through our year in review kind of on this Whitetail Instinct podcast. So I guess to start out with, it's probably just the tree saddles was the main thing we went into the year that was probably the big difference. And we used Arrow Hunter Kestrel Flex tree saddles this year. There's a link in the description of this video and in the podcast description if you want to check those out. It's the big craze right now, especially in the hunting industry for bow hunting and stuff. I know ATA is going on right now and there's a whole bunch of new designs for all that stuff and kind of the, the big craze, I guess. And we gave it a shot this year. Like I said, used the Arrow Hunter tree saddles and I like them. I guess it's kind of, we have somewhat of a difference of, difference of opinion on them, but I liked them just mainly based off the whole weight factor. Like we weren't carrying a whole big tree stand in there and I felt like I could go and get to the places I wanted without dreading carrying all that weight on my back. You know, early in the season, September, once for sure, we were using them. I used them early and then I was going to go sit over a food plot on public land and it was a close walk. So I decided to take the tree stand and just do it that way. And it was an easy walk down a road and the food plot's literally right there, like super easy. So I went in there with the tree stand and I didn't have to walk very far and I realized how much I missed just carrying in the saddle. Mm -hmm. But then the one thing for me, it just takes getting used to, I still feel like I can sit longer in the tree stand. It might just be that I'm more used to it, but then towards the end of the year, I did get more used to sitting and me making sure I get my tree saddle hung and set up in the right, you know, the right height and the right tree stand, like my steps and everything are good. That's the key for me to making it more comfortable yeah. is making sure I set it up more correctly and then it was fine. There's a lot that goes into it and in figuring out how to set it up. There are a bunch of different things I think when we started as far as how you want to set it up, but then once you get that, it becomes more comfortable. We also didn't use a platform. We just used the double step on the top stick. So we were limited as far as the, the angle and places of shots that we could get. So I know definitely going forward, we're going to want to get platforms that allow us to i think make it more comfortable to stand there the whole time yeah and then also on a bar that's... yeah and then for your feet and then also we can make more shots because we were having to go in knowing that we could really kind of shoot just this half because there's really no way to turn on just the double step but if you want more shots get the whole saddle hunting experience so you can get around the whole entire tree you definitely need the the platform we found yeah and they're super easy to get up in the tree like that's not the issue we were having like you can get up super quick with yeah. steps and get up and set it's the fine-tuning it for you it's so new that they're still evolving as people are still and using it because it became such a big yeah. a big thing so quick that i think even the manufacturers are evolving as the people using it are evolving and learning because it's kind of all happened at the same time and i think for me i'm going to keep using it because the thing that I really want is something that's lightweight and allows me to walk as far as I want to and go where I need to go. Like if I got to cross a swamp or something, you got to, you know, wear waders or do something different like that. It's way easier to do that and get to places with the saddle. The being lightweight, not carrying all that gear in, especially when we have camera gear. If we didn't have any camera gear, it'd be so light. Yep. But just go in with a saddle in your bow and climb up in the tree. So I'm going to keep using it just because of the lightweight. That's the big thing for me anyway, is being able to just get to where I want to get to. Yep. And I never noticed the lightweight portion until I did carry a tree stand in a few times. And then you realize how lightweight the tree saddles yep. are. So I guess we'll move on now. I guess my idea was just let's just go through the start in September. If we can remember back that far and see yep. what kind of the 
topics were for September, to me the thing that jumps out was finding the deer right away. Yeah. I know we came down to my area of the state and did some velvet scouting early. Um, didn't had seem, a little bit of success. Yeah, you seen but not what a we couple of nice bucks near, I, I mean, adjacent to public land. We never actually got back there because of how high the river was, um, and I don't think anybody probably got back there. So there was probably bucks back there. But where those bucks were coming out of, that you I got back there once when it started to storm. Yeah, it was, so we never got back to that spot. But so September was really just trying to find the deer kind of in my area an early season pattern yeah it was hard to to get on them and i guess the main thing we learned is if that was controversial apparently according to the videos when some of the comments and stuff was in season scouting but it it, i mean the thing that's the thing i learned is that if you're not finding the deer spend a day and just scout because i i walked that property kind of had a little bit of a familiarity with it from the year before but found some fresh rubs some fresh sign and there was deer on that food plot i ended up seeing quite a few that night a bunch of does and smaller bucks just no big, so, bucks. Uh, no big bucks but we found the deer and you went back again and seen some yeah. smaller bucks and we never did get to go back to that property really ever not that food plot area yeah. sometimes like we used to do is just bounce around to try and find them but when that doesn't work scout to try to find them yeah. and use that knowledge yeah and that's the thing that was controversial in the comments but it's like we when you went and scouted we are you know obvious that there's other hunters there so you went at 12 o'clock in I September like 11 o'clock. in the middle yeah. of the day. And if you would have pulled into the parking lot and saw two trucks parked there, we're not going to go in there and ruin somebody else's hunt. But if you go in the middle of the day when there ain't no other hunters there and kind of scout on the outskirts, it doesn't do anything. Plus, if you're not walking through there hunting or if you're going through there and you're scouting, someone else has probably gone through there and hunted. And they're you know worried about deer smelling you and that kind of thing. But it's like it's in-season scouting. You have to scout during the year, especially... In September, if you're not finding the deer where you're at, it does you no good to just climb back up in that tree stand and keep staring at the leaves. Like, get out yep. there and find something, especially when they're making rubs, losing that velvet early in September. If you go and you find those rubs, you know those are fresh rubs, and you know they're in there right now. Why yep. would you not scout during the year? You're always scouting. We are, anyway. It's public land, and you don't know how many times uh, you've gone down to public land and had some seen someone else coming in or walking out or doing something that wasn't even hunting walking related. Walking their dogs, so picking berries. You don't know who else. I mean, I walked in in November and two old ladies were walking out. Yeah. So it's like you don't know who's been in there and Especially who hasn't. Especially in highly anyways. populated areas. So it's like you don't know if, I mean, it's not like private land where if I don't go in there, no one's going in there. Yeah. Odds are someone was on that food plot probably two yeah. days before Someone's probably even. walked past your stand within so. seven days of it, you having it there. Yeah. And we've had several conversations on the podcast and in videos before about bumping bucks and we won't get into that because that'll just take us off but you know bumping bucks is one time is not gonna or them smelling you one time isn't they can't the biggest thing is they can't keep running every time they smell human scent or they run until they die it's public land like yeah there's you are a predator just like they don't run every time they smell a coyote like yeah, you're it'd, be a the, it'd be the same thing whether they smell a, uh, they come across a bobcat trail in the middle of the night or get spooked by coyotes on the food plot which happens Every the night, time. because they're down, you can hear them. Mm-hmm. It's like if they every they ran every time they smelled a coyote, just like like you said, predator to them, you're a predator, just like a coyote or a bobcat. Yeah. They keep running. They don't know they you're can't. a human with a bow that's hunting on the weekends, predator. and now you're in there scouting. Yeah, like it's just you're predator. just a predator. So it's just a, it was a it, but the in season scouting worked for us. So yeah. if you don't want an in season scout, you feel it hurts you, don't do it. Yeah, but we feel like it helps us, and it's a tactic that if you're not on the deer, we feel like you can use if yeah. you if you feel like you want yeah. to use it to go in and, do and that's it. that's the biggest thing in replying to those comments and stuff 
was just this is how we do it. It doesn't mean you have to do it, but that helped us find the deer. So it's like this is just our strategy, our way of doing things, and we want to share that with you so that if you like it, you can take some away from it. If you're like, that's stupid, you don't got to do it. It's just our opinion and how we go about doing things. So that was the big takeaway for me that I, I used several t more times throughout the year was if I'm not finding the deer and our kind of bouncing around method we typically use, that's not working. Take a day and just scout yeah. because every time we did it, it yielded results deer. for us. It later yielded on. deer results in the hunt the very so next day. That was our big September thing. And I think I think for that, it was more useful for us instead of throwing, looking at the map and throwing a sit at a new area, thinking maybe the deer are over here. We should have been, let's just not hunt today. Take the time maybe to take that day, go scout an area, and it'll put you farther ahead than throwing a sit at an area. Yep. For me, it was the standing corn, for yeah. whatever reason, this year was big, and I think that's something... We'll at least try to focus on next year and see if it's the same thing. And that's where we were seeing them all September when we finally found the deer was on the transitions and that standing. Yeah, corn. we were sitting over and trying the soybean tactic, which is typically where people go in September and August, mm -hmm. obviously to film velvet and all that stuff. But it was for us when we found what little deer we found early on in September, it was like standing grassy field edges. edges and standing corn. Yeah. It's where the deer were coming out of. Yeah. I don't know if it, that's a thing we've just missed the past couple of years um, or if that was a, just a this year thing with all the water or I don't know but mm -hmm. it was definitely we found the standing corn we found the deer uh, so moving into October what was anything in October mm -hmm. my big thing was that I needed the buck to walk back five more yards because yeah. I mean that was the first real close encounter we had of the fall I believe yeah was you can big... talk about that real quick yeah so we went into it's kind of we call it the rifle property if you if you watch any of our videos and we put some trail cameras down there got some good trail cam pictures and this property just always has bucks for some reason it's you looking at it at a map you wouldn't think it mm -hmm. like at all no but it always has bucks so I went to this back draw that's kind of where we thought they were and I actually went in like two hours early because my phone told me the wrong sunset time, <laughs> but was good because I was in and I had to sneak in, find a creative way to sneak in through the soybeans using kind of the divots in the field yep. to get in. Um, and it wasn't too long. I heard something walking on the other side of the cedar tree and there was a like really big five by mm -hmm. five come walking, got about to where the fence was to go over from the private, which he was on, onto the public. I was just sitting waiting like broadside and he never crossed it and walked straight down it and I don't know eventually walked off to the east there but yeah. a really nice close encounter with a really nice five by five i haven't even rewatched the video yet yeah. i probably will here in the off season but yeah but how we how we found that spot was obviously we had hunted there the year before and bumped that rifle buck out of there we're like maybe it's a place we can go it's surrounded by food that we can actually hunt and again circling back around standing corn pretty much all um, around it. yeah on all sides so. so that's why we were like well maybe it's got the standing corn it's got some beans out there might be a good place. Throw a camera up there. So I think you threw a camera up there in mid-August or something like that. Yep. And it was running. And I think you put the camera back up just for why not let it run. Mm -hmm. Put it up there. Didn't hunt it for a long time. Came we need a specific wind, like very specific to hunt that draw. That's why we had to yeah. pick and it had to be off on the right day to do it. So that's yeah. why it took a while to get yeah. back. So that camera just ran there for a long time. Chance went and grabbed it real quick. Just walked in, grabbed it, looked at it. And there was probably one just giant buck that was on there and just a whole bunch of other good bucks. And I think they were coming past there a couple times. Yep. So then we were trying to look at it and looking at figuring out where they where they were bedded because there's just Limited. not much place on this property where they can bed. They have to be either clear to the south on the neighbors and they weren't coming from that direction. They were coming from really the only area that they could be bedding and that was that cedar thicket draw that's on the private side. 
Yeah, because we knew that's where they had to be betting. Yeah. So I just went and sat up on the edge of that fence And row. it seemed crazy, because it's like, I'm going to go down here, there's like, you know, this much, six foot of fence line that has some trees in it on the public side, yeah. sitting over this private little teeny tiny cedar tree draw, when I could hunt this, yeah. 99% of the rest of this property, and I'm sitting right here, but we knew that had to be the only place they were. Yep, and it was like, if you were going... Like, if there was going to be a buck bedded, it was there. So mm-hmm. you had to go in and get closer. Like you said, it seems crazy to hunt mm-hmm. 1%, and, and, like, you had to have a very specific thing happen, but that very specific thing, like, pretty much almost happened yeah. if he takes two more steps. Yeah, and it worked with, it's kind of a hill that goes back up this way, south wind, standing corn on the backside. So when we started thinking about it, we're like, that sets up really, really well for the deer to be in there and for those bucks to be bedded in yeah and if you followed that edge it came right to where the camera was so yep. it all kind of worked out and it turns out that's mm-hmm. where they were always had does in there we went back it turns out the rest of the year we never got the correct wind to go back when we needed to we needed a and then brody went south wind and did not get and brody it. went back once or twice and there was picking the farmer was one picking, time and there's people down there you, one other time me and you went back Right, yeah, pretty close to after yep. you to try and had get seen him buck. to get him again, and the guy came through and picked the beans, but it bumped right out next to us, but bumped out three bucks, a small one and two four by fours at yep. least. Yep, bumped them out of the bigger draw, so yep. we knew there were still lots of good bucks in there. And then we hunted back here in some different places. I went back, and then he was picking corn that was on the backside of the bedding area. So they I were flipped around there. to the big draw and saw a couple does, but so they weren't going to be in that draw when he's picking right behind them. And then we just never. Never got back down there. And I think once the crops were out of there, sending corn kind of made a little bit of difference probably. Yeah. There. So we started hunting down here in October and trying to figure things out with the flooding. And I can't remember what we saw. Oh, I came in and hunted. Hunted back at the high wall setup. Me and Dad did. And I saw those two or three bucks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, a little bit farther into that setup that kind of set up how we hunted the whole rest of the year. But came in early season hunt, 10 o'clock in the morning bunch of does kept coming in and then these two really nice bucks came through that was probably last close to the last weekend in october so that was back there in the high wall but i think that was about it for the for october but that those hunts at the high wall then seeing those two bucks kind of set up our plan as we moved into november and december for the high wall area yep and you did a lot of hunting back at the high wall in november you want to touch on that quick and we did some then me you and dad all got together back kind of in my part of the state too later on seen some i mean we've seen some good bucks brody went to the marsh unit seen a really nice bucks and then we went back and hunted that a couple times and they didn't show up mm-hmm. um saw so two nice bucks same, when i set up yeah on the marsh that day yeah. and then like three or four spikes that were back yep. in there and then i went in a couple times didn't hardly see any i mean seen that one run across the field uh that was on private yep. and that and was we, the buck that i had like, seen five days earlier yeah, or so. we kind of, I mean, November was kind of a seen them and then we'd move and then we wouldn't see anything kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Same kind of set up with the high wall. We'd try, we're moving, trying to find them. We'd see them every once in a while, but it just wasn't. There's was no consistency to yeah. our buck sightings for whatever reason. Yeah, so it, I mean, we'd see them and then we'd make plans and nothing else would ever kind of show up. So I know it's kind of a, a weird November for us as far as that goes. Yeah. Mining activity, we didn't really, I didn't really see not too much. much. I right hunted the, Marsh unit and had that small buck come through with that doe. But other than that, I didn't see any bucks yeah. chasing or anything. Um, I mean, Dad, obviously they were. When but... we, me, you, and Dad all got together, same day you uh, seen those two big ones in the mm-hmm. marsh. He seen some running activity through his area, but I was. 
but that just tells you just where you sit because I wasn't too far from him and I didn't see anything. Yeah. So I mean, obviously they were, but we just didn't see it in those areas that we were in. That we were expecting it yep. to be in. Um, and then rifle season rolled through. My take, my takeaway, I guess, going back a little bit for November and the thing that I'm trying to focus on more is now we've done a good job progressing as hunters in finding the areas on a map. And I think the next step is taking it so that the first setup in there is the correct one, which is, you never know. It's hard to mm -hmm. do. And it's, you could sit here and it could be right here, but that buck, that big buck that I saw, I kind of knew that I needed to walk down the edge of that marsh a little bit farther. And if you think about it, where, you know, this transition and this transition comes together, we preach that all the time. And then I didn't listen to my own self when I went in there mm -hmm. in the morning, cause I didn't want to walk around that pin oak and try to get down there and screw too much up. But I knew that's where I should have been set up. Had I been there, you probably have an opportunity at that big buck. So I think the next step, we're done good at the scouting to find our area and then looking at the map, finding that area on a map and going, we don't need to go here, we need to go right here, looking at the transitions and all that stuff in the bedding. The next step is picking the right spot when we're in there with the stand or the saddle for that hunt. So I think that's the thing for us to focus on now is as we progress, take those steps, now it's picking the right spot when we're in there. And so as we rolled through, rifle season was slow for pretty much yeah. all three of us, so there's not much to talk about there. We just hunt a small piece of private, and it's usually pretty slow. Mm -hmm. So not much to talk about there. And then our big plan was we needed to get back to the high wall because we'd seen big bucks back there as well the last two years. And we knew the water levels in there were so high that it was going to keep a lot of the rifle hunters that hunt there out of that, that piece of property, especially back in that high wall. So we knew, or we thought anyway, that there was going to be some bucks back there. Yep, and then I guess so long story short, the food plot I sat over that had deer in it last year just had a bunch of does, which it was consistent for does. And you put a camera up too as well just to kind of monitor yep. when you weren't there just to see if what you were seeing when you hunted it a couple of times was was what was happening. And yep. it basically was. It was does and a couple of smaller bucks. And yep. there was a nice, there was like one or two maybe that I would have shot, but it was all middle of the night. The problem, yeah, they weren't in the morning. betting anywhere close to that food plot. Like they were and there for was whatever nothing, reason before. Yeah, and there's nothing we could do based on how the public set up. We couldn't get any closer. Mm -hmm. So that's, I know that's a problem you guys have emailed us on before. It's like sometimes you can I get... I know the as, betting's right there. You can get <laughs> as close as you can get to it, but sometimes it's just not, not close, close enough. enough. And that was the problem this year there. Um, and the high wall was, we're not quite sure what's going on back there. The rivers down here, based on where it's at and the old flooding we got, are running super high and they've been running super high and it just cuts off that high wall spot and it's just not the traffic back just there. the whole connected connectedness of the properties and how because obviously if you guys watched this last season and we'll throw some footage up uh if you're watching the video podcast but that hunt i had in september where i probably saw 50 deer in one day and four or five bucks they were all crossing this river from going from the food crossing it and going back into this bedding area and with the river being eight nine feet high they're not doing that because it was you know under your boots they could they could walk and it was only chest deep yeah, for them at so the deepest spots feet, yeah. and i could cross it without waders so it was below my knee for my boots so that's what it was before so they just were crossing going to food rut they were just more connected where they can't do that now because it's an they, eight foot deep I mean, river. a deer could cross it if it was run from a coyote or spooked out. Like, yeah. They would cross it, but on they're not just, just going travel. to do it like they normally did, and that really cut off travel. I think that was part of it. Yeah. It's, there's, I mean, we hunted, we've hunted back at the high wall now two years, and there, we couldn't go two sets without yeah. seeing a shooter buck back there. So it was just kind of a weird year for the high wall. And with we could see on the trees where 
the watermark from earlier, from the summer, early spring, had been waist high. You know, if this is the ground, it's waist high to knee and high on the trees, and there's still water back there. So whether when that came through, the deer that were using it were like, nah, I'm just going to get out of here and never came back. And that slowed things down, the connectedness of it. I think the It'll water had more of an effect than we thought. To go next year, if we get a, a dry, somewhat dry summer, and yeah. see if it comes back or see what the deal is. So we kind of hit September slow, finding deer. October was decent. November was slow for November, but for our season, it was decent. And then December, we were just ran into a series of unfortunate problems throughout that Mother Nature threw at us that slowed that down. Yeah. And for December, going in, you're talking about muzzleloader hunting, I had to go back to the high wall, like we said, to try to get in there and see if those deer were in there. Yep, so we just kind of tried to, I mean, we used, what we were using in December was past knowledge, essentially. Past we December. Knew, I knew from December or January 1st, after season got over with last year, that this is the two spots we were going in December. So we mm -hmm. pretty much used past information for our muzzleloader hunting this year, and things didn't play out the same or similar even mm -hmm. as they did the year before. So that kind of made us have to alter our plans. We were feeling pretty good about December with the muzzleloader. We were definitely getting another muzzleloader because I went in with my bow, and that buck stayed at like 35 yards for literally an hour, just eating but locust paws and stuff. So we're definitely getting another muzzleloader. Hopefully that helps. <laughs> yep. And real quick to wrap it up, just your main takeaway or what you learned from this year that you're really going to focus on and carry over into next year. Just real quick to wrap it yeah, up. Yeah, for me, I mentioned earlier, and it's just making the, taking the next step of picking the right spot. Like I said, we know the right spot from scouting and then looking at a map. But now, for me, my next step is focusing on picking the right spot once I'm in there with that stand on my back. Looking at things, thinking about it, picking that best spot so that... When that buck walks by, I can be in the right spot. Yep. If mine is kind of scouting related too, um, the thing I talked about earlier is if we're not on the deer to spend a day scouting, yeah. I want to make sure I remember that. The other thing is I just want to do more scouting. So my thing is I want to scout more. Like I want to know, know mm -hmm. by the time September rolls around where I'm going, where my good spots are, hopefully narrow things down a little bit. I mean, you never quite know for sure because you think you might know and they're over here or they're over here. But more scouting for me this summer in this off season, and then scouting during the year if we're not on the deer. Yep. So that will wrap it up. Just kind of an overview over our deer season, kind of what we learned, some of the takeaways, and just bring you all the way through it in one video instead of a whole bunch of short yep. ones. So you can go back and watch any of the videos if you want to. They're all, of course, on our YouTube channel. Um, we're going to have more podcasts, uh, more scouting, shed hunting hopefully here if the snow stays away um, in a month or so. So more videos. So keep checking back. Thanks for watching and make sure to like and subscribe.